episode 95, and I'm your host, Bruce. I'm joined online once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine. Excellent. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Now, did you watch the big game last night? And I watched bits and pieces of it. Uh, you did better than I did, because I, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've been rather, like, I mean, I was, I was happy to see two different teams in the Super Bowl, to say the least. But I was really, like, I didn't, wasn't invested in any of the teams this year in the NFL, so I couldn't have really cared less. But I'm glad, like, I was glad to see Cincinnati get there and actually L.A. too, just to have different teams in it. Um, and I guess congratulations have to go out to the L.A. Rams. Um, they are in L.A., right? They have, they're have they not in St. Louis anymore. Is that right, Lars? Yeah, they are in L.A. Okay. Oh, it's hard to keep track sometimes. Yeah. They just stop paying attention. For, it tells you what I, when I last paid attention was they were still playing in Seattle and they were the greatest show on turf. And now here we are, you know, that's probably 20 years ago now, to be honest, when, the, when they, uh, those Rams teams in St. Louis were so good. Uh, and now uh, we're talking about, you know, a whole new breed of Los Angeles Rams, I guess. So, Ooh, anyway, cool. Um, no, I did you have a good weekend, my friend? Otherwise, than people watching. Nice. What'd you get up to? Did you pre-release? Yeah, well, for th- and unfortunately, no. They they on a fr- back on Friday, they they sold out within hours. I did not even get a chance. They sold out. Yep. Well, that's a thing. I mean, good for good for your shop or whoever, whatever store you were going to go play at. But oh my goodness! And I'll tell you this: they this is the first time in what three, four years that we actually sold out on the first day of pre-release kits. Well, I'm glad to. Like, it's good for your store. Like it really is, and it's nice to see the community is coming back and getting. Like even after we've had another yet another Omicron scare and everyone's been terrified of stuff, but um, I'm happy to hear that people are still keen on coming into the store and playing. Uh, were you guys all masked? Yeah, we are. Nice, good policy. I like it. Good stuff. I didn't get a chance to pre-release. I saw people pre-releasing on on Friday at, at, at an LGS. Uh, they started early. Um, I think. Maybe because they're looking to maybe cut down on how long people spend in the store. They didn't have a midnight pre-release. They had started Friday afternoon at like 4 p.m., I think. Which seems like a little of a weird time, but I guess they're playing from like 4 till like 7 or 8. And like, be done. And letting people go on with their lives. Kind of the whole thing. But, I don't know. It was good to see. Like, the store looked busy and looked like there were lots of people who were there to play. Which is also good. But clearly the store was not at capacity in terms of like what would normally be deemed capacity because of COVID restrictions still. But oh, COVID! And don't don't look now, but uh, things are going to get interesting up here because our prime minister just declared a national uh, sorry enacting the emergency act, which is a piece of legislation that gives him pretty wide ranging powers to uh, en- enable the police to remove the. The Freedom Truck Convoy that is uh, has been in, here in Ottawa uh, for the for a better part of three weeks now, and blockading downtown. And 
I don't know if you noticed their locks, but like there's been like a blockade at the bridge at Detroit and, and Windsor, Ontario, which is like the most, which is the highest uh, traffic land crossing between our two countries. Um, so it's been blockaded for you know over a week, and so yeah, so things are getting getting dicey up here to say the least. People are tired yeah. of COVID. Woof! It's ugly. It's gonna get ugly before it gets better. Yikes! Yeah. Oh, I don't. Anyway, you have you guys have a, you guys have primaries or what do you guys have coming up now? You guys are, are starting the cycle for your twenty twenty two election, right? Yeah, and like uh, for like right now, like over the next couple of weeks, it'll be early voting, and then come March first, will be the actual primary day. Okay, okay, so it's primaries, and then when do you go to the polls to elect your? Um, your congressmen, like the Congress and senators that are up for re-election, that next fall must be next fall. Yeah, and like this upcoming November is when all that stuff happens. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't keep track of your of your electoral yeah. cycle because it seems like it's far more frequent than ours. But that's okay. Maybe because I don't pay attention to the whole election cycle thing very carefully. Generally. Um. There was a time when I did care, and I have now gotten old and have ca- and care significantly less. Significantly less. Anyway, it was a it was an eventful weekend to say the least, and boy, it got yep. cold here last night. Yikes! So, winter's still very firmly here. <laughs> All right, shall we get on with the show, Lux? Yep. All right. Uh, don't forget, folks, if you like what you hear here on the podcast, you can always check out all of our episodes over at thelotuscouncil.com. That is our home on the internet, and they've been gracious enough to be our host now for uh, most of our existence. I know we started out on one, uh, on, a, on another channel, um, and now we, we migrated over to the Lotus Council, and we've been here for a while. And so we would strongly encourage everybody to come and join us there. Um, and you can also find all the other cool things, including some videos. Sona did a, a kind of a neat uh, take on um, examining MTG finance sort of stuff and the prices of this, of Crimson Val. Um, but, you know, on top, of the, on top of that, you have the podcast, you get videos, you get the stream, you get uh, a really happening Discord, all for free, folks. Like, I think that's the best value in Magic, and no one's talking about it. Like, you get a, a group that you can get people to play webcam games, you can get trades done, you can have conversations about all sorts of topics, uh, help with decks. So come and check it out. I think the, the, the Discord is by far and away the greatest value, um, and it all comes for free. So come and join us at thelotuscouncil.com, um, and yet be, and get, take advantage of all the great things that they have to offer um going forward all right you will not be sorry so we're gonna have three segments tonight though lux so we're gonna have garbage or great and i think tonight's is rather straightforward um and then we're gonna have uh segment two which will be cards that we're going to be playing from kamigawa neon dynasty so it's great to go over and review them but some of the cards are going to be decks that we want to build and some of them are going to be uh cards we want to put into other decks that already exist so um, we're going to talk about what some of those might look like so that we can, um, you know, help you guys maybe find out where things are going to slot or what you want to do with them, uh, or maybe what, how we're thinking about building various sorts of decks. Um, 
And then afterwards, we're going to talk about a deck that I built using one of the new commanders from um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty in our segment three. We're going to talk about uh, Hanada, uh, Hanada decks. So let people uh, enjoy that one because I think, I think I've got a different take on it than the typical. All right, Lux, are you all set? Yep. All right, Lux. So tonight's garbage or great is Galvanic Relay. So two and a red for a sorcery. Exile the top card of your library. During your next turn, you may play that card. And it's got Storm. So what do you think, Lux? Is this garbage? Or is this a kind of a sneaky great card? And honestly, like from how it's reading right now, I think this might be one of those sneak cards. This is definitely, yeah, I think it's a pretty sneaky. I think this is a sneaky sort of way to get impulse draw. And I'll be very honest, you know what I like about it best? What? During your next turn. So this turn, like that's the problem with all the impulse draw, like nip, typical, right, Lux? Like if you have impulse draw, yeah. they used to be templated in such a way that if you didn't use it by the end of that turn, you lose the card. But they've since light up the stage, they've started going to this model where you can um, play it until your end of your next turn. Um and so this one, like Galvanic Relay, is like is putting that card essentially uh, during your next turn. You may play that card, so you have to play it during your next turn, which I suppose is disappointing. But if you're using Galvanic Relay, you're probably trying to leverage that storm mechanic and get a whole bunch of cards off the top of your deck. In which case, you know, they might appreciate. I guess you're trying to get the whole, whole storm. So, like, you're going to appreciate, like, the fact that you you can't play it this turn anyway because you're going to be using a whole lot of spells to sort of build your storm count and up and then use Galvanic Relays. So, I like it. I think it's a good card. I think it's a good way for a red deck to generate yep. some card advantage without, without being particularly expensive. I mean, it's two cents, even in the for the regular version. So, it seems like it's a pretty solid card. Anything else you want to add to it there, Lux? Eh, no, not really. No, it seems like a decent role player, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I would yep. did put in here in the show notes the, a quick look. Like, what does it? How many decks does it get played in? And so, over under over under three thousand decks, Lux. Do you, Lux, do you think it gets more than three thousand or under three thousand decks played? Considering how most cards that we review go. I'd say it's under 3,000. You're correct. It is under 3,000. However, get this. It's in 2,178 decks. So that's higher than I thought it was going to be, right? I thought it was going to be like like 500 decks. Well, the fact that it's in like almost 2,200 decks, that's a pretty good number of of uh, of decks. So I, like, I think this is probably a card that folks should be probably be eyeing and... I mean, don't rush out and grab a whole pile of them, but, like, if you find them around, like, they're decent cards. I think they got playability and uh, can can be, you know, very strong contributing cards. So I I really like like this card, so... But it's just not it's just not flashy, right? Like, that's the problem. That's the knock against it. It's just not flashy, but you're going to be able to generate some good card advantage, I think, with it and probably ride it to a pretty good, pretty good point. So... I'm pretty on board. 
What about you, Lux? You in? You out? Yep, I'm on board. I'm perfect. Excellent. So, there we have it, folks. Galvanic Relay. Let's see how people enjoy it. Put it in, put it in your red decks and just laugh all the way to the name. All right. Next, segment two. Cars from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty that we want to be playing with. So, Lux, do you want to start or do you want me to start? And you can start considering that a few of our cards are basically the same. Yeah, we do have a little overlap here with our folks. So we'll save the overlap to the end. Um, but yeah, so tonight, folks, we thought we would go through some cards that we're going we're gonna to include in some of our decks. Because um, I think some of these things are going to be um, helpful to help steer players who might be confronting deck construction or deck, deck edits for the, you know, early on in your, your playing time. Or if you're an experienced player and sometimes you just want to have the perspective of somebody else who plays the game, um, you know, here we are. We can give you guys a little bit of our insight, such as it is. Um, we don't claim to be experts, but we certainly are, are prepared to share our thoughts on some of these cards. So, uh, my first is Lion Sash. And this is the, a very interesting card because it's got a, it's one and a white for the equipment cat. And notice it's got a creature type and an artifact type. So it's an equipment and it's a cat. Um, and then you it has essentially what amounts to graveyard hate on it. So uh, white exile target card from your graveyard. If it was a permanent card, put a uh, plus one, plus one counter on lion slash. And then equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each other, plus one, plus one counter on lion, on lion slash. And then we have reconfigure where you can essentially turn this creature, this cat, into a piece of equipment for people to use. So I like this one because I think I like the the graveyard hate mechanic attached to it. And so um, you can use it to exile permanence from your opponent's graveyard and build itself into a threat. And then you can then utilize that threat to slap it on a commander that is, you know, perhaps more powerful, but, you know, you, you're having a hard time fighting your way past. Lion Slash Sash is going to let you get there. Or maybe you want to protect your creature from from combat, and so things like um, dis dismembers or cards that are going to reduce the toughness may not get it because now it's going to be suitably large enough. So my thought, Lux, was this one would go really well in my Alesha deck. Um, my Alesha deck is very much premised on me filling the graveyard and then attacking with Alesha and activating her to get things popping out of my graveyard back into play and get the ETBs to go with it. The issue becomes is that Alesha is only a 3-2. Granted, she has first strike, but a 3-2, when you get to the middle and late stages of the game, Lux, what happens to 3-2s late middle to and late of the game? And they're basically squishy. Yeah, they're they're not going to fare very well. They're not going to rumble. So, but you still want Alesha to rumble. So you need to do something to her to augment her in order to get the the pieces that you're going to need. So Lion Sash is great because you can, you know, equip it for cheap. Uh, you can use it as graveyard hate to fuel itself to turn Alesha into a very make, like, make your own bomb. And just generally speaking, I think like having that sort of card and effect on 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 your on on your Alesha is very powerful. So you can now be sure to activate it if you can get to combat with Alesha. You're probably pretty safe to have it come out the other side because. There's just not a lot of things that can interact with a, a large first striker. Like, if 
a Lion Sash gets two plus one plus encounters on it, unless there's a five powered commander card with like a, I, th- I think Lion Sash is like actually very, very good. So in, in Alesha, and the other spot is going to be in my Arabo deck because Arabo cares all about cats. That still sees as an as a activated or sorry as a uh, creature type is still a cat. So he goes plays right right well in Arabo and does some very powerful things. So those are my my decks where Lion Sashes are going to go. Any thoughts on on Lion Sash there, Lux? It's actually one that I might and be after to, for one of my decks. Because you know back when we originally reviewed this card, it was a pretty good kind of review, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I, I thought I was, I was pretty high on it then, and I think I'm still pretty high on it now. Um, I, I don't think it's good for modern, but I think for us in commander, I think this is a really good way. Particularly if you're playing some sort of Voltron commander deck, like this thing is going to be real strong. So I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it a lot. All right, moving on. Um, we have Reality Chip. Oh, right, that's the one we double up. So, spoiler, folks, we have we have Reality Chip coming up in a, in a bit. Okay. Um, I have Atsushi the Blazing Sky. So let's read Atsushi because Atsushi's kind of insane. Uh, two red red for a 4-4 legendary creature dragon spirit with flying and trample. So we get the whole flample. Uh, when Atsushi the Blazing Sky dies, choose one. Exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. There it is again. You may play those cards. And then... Um, Create three treasure tokens. That's the other alternative mode to. All right. Um, so with Atsushi, Alux, this I was reading up on this card. This card enables all sorts of crazy uh, infinite trigger or infinite combo loops. Um, so let's just like I'll go through one example or one variant of this particular. Um, combo. So you need to have a, you need to have an impact tremors in play, a Nim Death Mantle, uh, an Ashnod's Altar, and then you're at Sushi. And so, uh, so you sacrifice at Sushi to the Ashnod's Altar and to gain two mana. Right? As Sushi's ability will trigger, creating three treasure tokens. Uh, Nim Death Mantle ability will trigger, sacrifice two treasures and pay four men. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm, where am I go? Nim's Death Mantle will trigger, sacrifice two treasures, and, and pay four to return Atsushi to the battlefield. Impact, trigger, impact Tremors will, will trigger, dealing one. And then you can recast your Atsushi because you still have mana available. And you're just going to love it. So, uh, Atsushi is very combo-tastic. I think that uh, the combos are going to make it something that where People are going to try it. Um, now, that one's a four-card combo. Like, I'm not lying, Lex. Four-turn four combos don't seem broken. So, what do you, what do you think here, Lux, on Atsushi? Or am I missing the boat? Is there another, another whatever I should be looking into? And honestly, the, the amount of combos it can do already like, is pretty impressive. Yeah, so I will put the link to the combo website where I found this particular combo, and like it's 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 yes, it's a four card combo, and so technically to assemble it could be challenging, um, but I think that's a fair way of playing the 
playing at sushi because if you can go and tutor up all your mechanic all the pieces for your combo as fast as you can it's just not a lot of fun because they're now like losing real fast so sushi is fun but you gotta like be careful with what you do with it because the thing is good all right next lux do you want to lead your give us your next one or your first one i guess Okay, my first one of the honestly, this might come as a surprise to everyone considering in my usual thoughts on the color, but I basically chose Jingitaxius. Well, yeah, this guy is good, there's no denying it. So, Jingitaxius, let's have we read him yet? Let's have a read him. Five blue, blue, legendary creature, perfection, praetor. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you copy that spell, they choose new targets for the copy. Ability triggers only once per turn, and then whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant or sorcery spell, counter that spell. This ability triggers only once each turn. So you get like double your spells, and your opponents get their first one countered. That's fun. Here's what I think, Lex. I think this is a this card. People are going to hate playing against Ginger Taxius because they're not necessarily going to have two plays. Um, initially when you get this out, and so they're going to be really, really unimpressed with the whole idea that they have to, they can't cast whatever they were playing with, um, like in terms of instance of sorceries, because Jinja Tax is just going to counter it, but I think on the whole, the card's pretty fun. Oh, you, Lux, you like, where, where do you think you're putting this? And honestly, in considering how it's in a built, I'm most likely going to say a Demure deck. Like a your Demure, spells deck. Okay. Pardon me? Oh, that you know, like, like a Demure spells deck. A Demure spells deck, yeah. So I can, I can see that going to be a, being a pretty big hit. So, um, like, I know we were talking off, off, off air, but like, like, I think like this sort of like plays really well with like a, a Lazav. Um, you could go and do something like a, like a draw new Lich Lord that has an ability that's kind of flash things back. You can get things back at even like more bits and pieces. Like, so, I I think it's pretty cool to say the least. I have, um, Kadama of the West Tree. And so Kadama of the West Tree is two and a green for a legendary creature spirit. With reach, modify creatures you control have have trample, and so modify creatures are equipments, uh, equipment auras you control, and count, counters are modifications. So, um, if you put plus one plus one counters on you, they now consider to be a modified creature. If you're carrying a piece of equipment, like you're carrying your lion sash, now they're now they're modified. And now it says whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your basic library for uh, a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. So, what's your thought here, Lux Kadama of the, of the West Tree? That seems pretty cool. Yeah, I think this card is very cool. Um, mm. Now, do you have a plus one plus one counter deck? Oh, and the to be honest, the that was one of my original and. and uh, and build to for Nethroi, but I decided that instead of Nethroi, maybe Dogatar or Anapenza, the foremost. Yeah, so I'm going to build, like, I have a Dagatar built. Uh, I think I've actually uh, talked about it on the show here. 
But I have Diagatar, and I've played Diagatar as my commander for a long time now. And so Kadama would be really good at allowing my my pumped up creatures to uh, slam home and to really eke out some extra value because I can get them get the things down uh, and get the, the modifications on and start swinging and dealing more than just killing chump blockers. So I'm a big fan of Kadama the West Tree. I know initially I think we were down on it like two weeks ago, Lux. I'm pretty sure we were kind of down on Kadama. I've come around to Kadama quite a bit. I think it's a different type of Kadama than we're used to, because we're used to Kadamas of the East Tree being, like, the other one we got from MH1, being, like, a, a huge, like, value engine. And this isn't quite the same value sort of engine, is it? No, not really. No, it's not. Like, this is just... But this one is, uh, this is just a good card, I think. It, and I'm looking forward to playing it. It's going right on my Dagatar deck. Um, without any any hesitation whatsoever. But the fact is, mono-colored goes in lots of decks, doesn't it? Like, this could go in all sorts of builds. Yep. Like, you might even put it in your Nethroi deck because you have some random equipment lying around and you can just want... Just, just want it to have an answer to this stuff, so... <sighs> all right. Um, next, we've got um, Spirit Sisters Call. Or, the, or, or do you want to do the Wandering Emperor? And I had the Wandering Emperor pulled up. All right, sounds good. So yeah, and then Wandering Emperor, and then the one of the best parts about it has to be in it that static unite where you can basically just use her you know, loyalty abilities as though in a, you were casting an instant. Well, not any, but the, the first time, yes. Then that's really what you're looking yeah. for. And I think the Wandering Emperor is actually a really fun like combat trick. Like, and, like, there have not been a lot of Planeswalkers that allowed you to operate at instant speed. Like, there's this one, and then there's, like, the Teferi Master of Time that allowed us to um, to play at instant speed. But, like, this is pretty cool, I have to say. It's a pretty neat card. Where would you put the Wandering Emperor, Lux? And considering how she's built, I'm definitely putting her in Summit Voice of Descent. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, I mean, you can flash in your Samet. You can then flash in your, your, your Planeswalker, put a counter on Samet, and then make your opponent think about coming to get you. So I really like um, the Wandering Emperor. I think it's just a card. Like, pretty neat, neat mechanically, mechanical effect. Um, pretty hard to replace. I can't imagine they're going to go to this. Like, you're not going to get this reprinted a whole bunch. Like, not the way you got, like, with Jace architect of thought like this is going to be like one of those planeswalkers that you're only going to see in this particular set and this is a kind of a neat card um next on my list i have uh, a mech titan core um which is going to be a um this is like one that pretty much turns into voltron folks all right so you need five um, other pieces of equipment and then you can recruit Mech Titan Core and Vampires. Um, so yeah, no, I like Mech Titan Core as you play vehicles. I was gonna put it in my King Makar deck. So my King Makar deck is all about wanting to tap and untap and tap and untap. And vehicles are a really effective way to get me to untap and tap and retap my creature. Um, so 
No, I just I, I like the Mech Titan core and that came with card deck. There's lots of other vehicles to, to Voltron it up and turn it into that that multicolor 1010, but I think it's a pretty neat ability, to say the least. All right, Lux, what do you got next? And next up, we have Spirit Sisters Cole. And they, this is a really neat piece of graveyard tech. Yeah. Go ahead, read it for us. Okay, nice. I think for and a three generic and a white black, you get an enchantment at the beginning of your end step. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard. You may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with the chosen card. If you do, return the chosen card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains if this permanent would leave the battlefield, exile instead of putting it anywhere else. This is kind of nuts, isn't it? Like, I feel this is crazy. Yeah. And so, I thought of this when I saw this card, we talked about last week on the show, Lux. I think this is the sort of card that goes in, like, decks that have, um, that want to play in their graveyard, this could be exactly what you're looking for. Um, so, like, what do you, like, Lux, like, where are you putting this? Like, I know, like, are, are you building a black-white deck, or are you doing something more? And honestly, like, like I could and uh, build a whole new deck and, uh, and put this in it, but honestly, there's a certain uh, on the creature that's just begging for this. Oh yeah, what are, what are you thinking about here? And obviously, Netherly. Ah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, they, he is just begging for this to be put in his deck. No, it's true. It's more, just yet more recursion, isn't it? It's more recursion. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely on to something there. Like, I think he's just going to be more than nothing. So, anyway. All right. Uh, up next, I have on my list, I have Boseju, who endures. And I just put Boseju on this list for everybody because Boseju is going to go in every deck with green. Like, there's no reason not to. Yeah. You can, uh, you could, it comes into play untapped, which is really big, isn't it, Lux? Like, in how many times have we built decks yeah. with like, like those bad top lands, like Guild Gates or the, yeah, so we're watching these, we're watching like, oh, Boseju just go in everything. So every green deck's gonna get Boseju, and yeah, there's just not much more to say about it. It just goes everywhere, it's just super efficient, um, flexible. Like, when you get lands that do spell things, this is pretty powerful. So, this goes in every deck that plays green and can play it. In the story. <laughs> All right. Um, what do you got next? So, you had, um, we've seen your spirits, um, your spirits, sister's call, I guess. Yeah. So, what's. And next up is Roadside Reliquary. Roadside Reliquary. This seems like an interesting card. Let's have a look. Okay, and then, of course, they gets a land. Mm, yeah. They tap, add, and a, and a tap, add generic. And a two generic, a tap, sacrifice, roadside, reliquary, draw a card if you control an artifact. Draw a card if you control an enchantment. Yeah. Um. So, I think this card is actually surprisingly good. Um. Just because, again, we talked about how lands that do spell-like effects are very strong so the real question becomes lux like how frequently do you think you're going to have an artifact and an enchantment in play in order to draw two cards off of this and honestly like 
have a feeling that you're definitely in a, going to have at least one or two most of the time because like there's a lot of like low cost artifacts and enchantments that you could easily have out turn one turn two absolutely like i think like turn one like saw ring turn two rhystic study roadside reliquaries is active when you need to sack it for cards go 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 ham so yeah i know i i hear your point and i think it's uh yeah so i just think this card is just going to be good like it's just to draw you cards and then if you can loop it get it back you're gonna be laughing like you can just keep looping it with uh our friend or what am i talking about i got distracted there anyway yes so yeah roadside reliquary good card you're gonna loop it you're gonna draw cards like let's be honest if you're not trying to loop this card you're doing it wrong all right lux like let's be real like people are playing roadside reliquary you're trying to loop it so you can draw a pile of cards. Yeah. And and you're going to do it on a land. And the land comes into play untapped. So, like, you can legitimately play it, pay two, sack it, and go draw cards, like, which is exactly what you need in that deck. So. Yeah, my question is, mm -hmm. like, would it be possible to just completely go infinite with this? Um, no, I don't, it'd be really tough, because you have to have a way to recur it and an infinite mana loop. At which point, like, I mean, I guess you could do it if you have an infinite mana loop and you can replay it indefinitely from your, from your graveyard in, in your hand. Uh, I guess you could do it, but I don't think that's a great way to spend... A lot of time and energy is trying to figure out how to rope this back into something where you can play it over and over again, draw infinite cards. So I just don't, I just don't see that. But I mean, I do think that you're looking to exploit this like two or three turns consecutively and draw, you know, four, six, eight, ten cards and really help your really help your game plan get ahead at that point. So, all right. All right, what do we got next? We've got, um, okay, I've got Jujin, the Midnight Sky. So this is a one of the, the legendary dragons, and I want to play this one in, uh, my, in my black-white deck or my King Makar deck. So my black-white deck is Regna and Krav. Um, so here we go. So Jujin, the Midnight Sky. Uh, three blue, three black-black for a 5-5 five, five with flying and menace. When Jujin the midnight sky dies choose one each opponent discards two cards and two life and then put target non dragon creature card from a bot from a dragon onto the dragon but put the target non dragon creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield under your control you lose two life so okay so this has got a really interesting death trigger lux so um if you when it dies, you can make your opponents all discard two cards, which is very powerful. Like to make two of your opponents discard two could leave somebody with with a dead hand by the time that this is resolving and of significant merit in the game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think, Alex? Like, is this am, am I crazy for wanting to want to bring it back? Like, have it die, bring it back with Soren for more of the spark or Malakir Rebirth. Or one of the many other cheap and inefficient, uh, sorry, inexpensive um, mechanics we have that allow us to recur recur things. So, like I said, kind of feel like you can get a lot of value from Jujin, and it's just not too hard to exploit it unless you think that's not a great play. 
man, I honestly think you're onto something. Yeah, I think this is like I think this is actually really really funny. And that Soren, the white black Soren from War of the Spark, I, I think it's Vengeful Bloodlord. I think Jujin and 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 that Soren are like best best friends. And so I'm a big believer that that Soren is actually going to like be a lot better and a much much more thought after card than it already is. It's, it's a fine card in Commander, but I think now Jujin's uh, going to make us. So yeah, I think it's a good card. I like I like it, and I'm looking forward to playing it in um, my Regnant Krav deck or in my King Makar deck. I suppose I could technically even play it in my. Um, Blue black deck, or it's just draw new and um, just ride the dragon. That dragon is all I can. So, anyway, Jujin seems good to me. All right, what do you got next? This one's we doubled up on, so. And, yeah. Go for it. The ending. And up next today, we both picked the reality chip. This card is nuts. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what are you? Uh, what, what what about this card? Let's read this card. All right, so one in a blue, a legendary artifact creature, equipment jellyfish. Sure, jellyfish is totally needed. Just anyway, you may look at the top card of your library anytime, as long as the reality chip is attached to a creature. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library, reconfigure for two in a blue. So that middle text of as long as the reality chip is attached to a creature, you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. Now, I read this as saying, like, you're just going to use this clause to like, infinitely to win the game, right, Lex? That's the plan? Yeah. Yeah, top card matters. Yeah, top card matters. And, like, well, like let's figure out what deck... Like, okay, so here's my thought. And, like, I, I'm not sure where to put this card because it is kind of a unique and weird design. I haven't seen this, this, this design before. Where do you think you're putting this card? And, well, like one deck that I am currently building that this will definitely go in is Jorn got a winner. Yeah, no, I definitely think Jorn's a good choice. And I, sort of, I figure the play pattern is this, there, folks, and I, I was talking about luck, too. So in your first main combat phase, you tap all your mana, and you cast a bunch of things, and do whatever you need to do, or move, remove the biggest blocker, and just generally make life difficult for them. Um, so yeah, like, you can make things difficult by casting all the stuff off in your first main phase. Then you activate, you know, presumably, or or you have it equipped like with a Prowler's Helm, or or something that can't be blocked or can't be targeted with uh, with hexproof. And then you can allow nature's stupidity to <laughs> let you just draw a million cards and like attack again. Like you attack on top, cast a whole bunch more on top of your deck, and then just crush them with the like the, the sincere stupidity of this is going to be crazy. Like you're just going to get so much value off the top of your deck. Any other thoughts there, Lux? Is like like that that's, that's a fun card. Yeah, it is. So here's the question: How many cards do you think you're going to be able to cast off the top of your deck uh, off your deck with um, Reality Chip? What's the most in a turn you're going to see yourself casting? With off the top of your deck with this card, and I think at best maybe they three, four, three or four. Just depends. That's pretty good. 
pretty good. I think you might be right. I might be, you might be right. All right. Because like obviously like it's not going to be able to go that crazy. Well, well, it is constrained. You still have to cast the things. You can't just ride them to victory yeah. without casting stuff. Not quite that broken, but it's yeah. still pretty powerful. I'm I'm impressed. I like it. So. All right. So, are there any new decks that you're going to build from any of the new commanders, Lux? Oh, and I'll have to and uh, see because like, so far, like the and the you know, viable you know ones, they they don't really wow me in it yet. But then again, that's because they, unlike most of everyone else, they. I haven't had a chance to even open a pack yet. No, I haven't either. But yes, I understand your point. So yeah, no, I'm I I have a couple. I, mean, I have a couple that I was sort of thinking about going to build. So the first one is Hidetsugo, the the Hidetsugo card, um, because I have a black red deck that is kind of like a black red just good card pile. I'm not sure, and it's and and with Valky at the head, and Valky is pretty much just a big old black red value card. Like, it's not like you're getting, um, like, a, a, a real direct, like, direction with Valky as your, um, as your commander. Um, so, I think it's interesting that you, like, you get his, like, Hidetsugo, and, like, now you're, now you're, you're taking the deck in a very different direction, and you're looking at, you can have a plan of either, like, you want to, you know, impulse draw and card value your opponents out, or you want to do the, um, you're looking to do the aristocrats thing that Hidetsugo lets you do. So, I don't know, but like Hidetsugo gives you some options, lets you build your stuff. So I'm debating taking my red-black deck apart and getting a Hidetsugo and putting Hidetsugo in my deck list. So that, you know, I can see and appreciate all is there. So before I go and buy too many things. So Hidetsugo I think is cool. I like it. I might be an update to a recently constructed deck. The other one I have is Hanada, and I'm, I think I'm going to build Hanada as a heroic deck, where um, we have in the past um, avoided building heroic decks. We've built Voltron strategies, but I think heroic has been unfortunately um, people don't really value heroic that, that well. But I think heroic is going to get be a more fair, fun approach than what you could play. Because I, so I'll be honest, folks. I do go into Moxfield myself, and I check to see what cards are up and down and doing fun things. So, um, where'd it go? Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, Hanada has a really mean. Oh, there it is. Hanada has got a very mean ability to uh, leverage the. Like by reducing the cost of things, and so you're going to end up getting a lot of, I, I guess for lack of a better word, um, mean cards that are going to make people sad. And so uh, by going for or opting for the heroic route, um, I think your deck's going to be eminently more fair, um, significantly less good, but I think it could be something rather interesting to start with. So I, I would just cite that like Hanada. I'm going to move on to my deck list here there, Lux. This is what I'm, what I'm doing here. I think I'm moving on to my deck list. So this week, I have Hanada. And I want to build her as, a, as, as like I said, as the um, heroic deck. So 
So I've got as many heroic creatures as I can. But what's really cool is that um, the way Hanada is worded, she also positively impacts your bestow creatures by reducing their casting costs. And I think that's reasonably important because, um, you know, you're looking to play your heroic creatures, suit them up, and go get them. And the bestow creatures are a really great way to get to not get blown out two for one when they remove your your your, your creatures. So, um, but yeah, no, I think the whole option with uh, the heroic deck is pretty cool. Taking the um, the more promising looking uh, bestow cards is pretty cool, um, and not something I would have anticipated. But they are, it's pretty cool. Uh, and then we're also getting into spell, like a lot of spells and instants that allow us to t uh, captivate uh, and target a bunch of things all at once. Um, so some of the, my favorite things are like Baral's Expertise, where you, you, spend, you spend the three mana um, in casting it along with two blue, but then you recoup the cost because you can, you can pick three targets, so it's like, kind of like a free spell. So I, I really do enjoy like Baral's expertise as being one of my favorites. Anyway, so yeah, it's a, it's the most interesting part with this deck, Lux, is the fact that I've managed to get it under a hundred bucks, ninety-eight dollars and thirty cents to play this Hanada deck as a heroic brew instead of as something decidedly more mean. Um, what are your thoughts? Honestly, it seems pretty cool and makes seems solid. Yeah, it does. I might end up trying to build this at some yeah, point. Yeah, like I think the price point makes it appealing, I think, fundamentally. And I think, well, you're not going to play at a high-level, power, like high-power game with this, but like you could absolutely do some pretty neat things. Uh, and some of those bestow things are, are going to allow you to really leverage some power for your deck. So, no, I'm... Uh... I like this, the price tag. 90, 98 bucks seems pretty pretty nice. Um, there's a few pricey cards, like Virgie is a little bit pricey. Um, the Kaikar Winds Fury. Uh, there are, some of these things have a little bit more price to them that uh, you know, we might overlook generally, but yeah. Any other final thoughts to Lux before we let people sort of go? Yeah, not really. Yeah, so... Yeah, so obviously, folks, if you want to follow, see, check the list out more. We're not like you said. We did. We, we were talking about last week. I think we're going to move away a little bit from doing some of the the card by card breakdown, but again, letting people get a, nice, a sense for what you're doing. Um, so this deck's going to rely on your your, your heroic creatures and your bestowed creatures. Uh, hopefully, you get the job done and some really cool effects with your Hanada to really power it along. Um, all right. Let's sign out here. So uh, thanks very much for joining us joining us for this week's show. Uh, hard to believe episode 100 is just around the corner, Lux. Like, we're talking, what, five weeks? And we will yeah. be looking at 100, yeah. episode 100. That's bananas. That's crazy. Can you believe it? And I honestly can't believe we've made it that far. And it feels good. Like, I'm excited for it. So, um... Now, if you like what you hear and you want to leave us some feedback, you can always email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. I'll put the note 
uh, in the description on uh, wherever you're, where you're finding a show, so you can follow along and find the email. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at EpicEXPCast. Um, you can always reach us there. We'll, we're pretty good at answering each and every day. So that is a thing. If you want to follow our deck, let's check out Hanada. You can follow it on Moxfield. Uh, go check it out and uh, use the, the, the username the Epic Experiment Podcast. We also uh, would ask everybody, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast app, to uh, like, subscribe, comment, um, everything that's polite. And, of course, everybody, uh, you can also find our content on, on Instagram uh, using the, the, the name Epic EXP Cast, just like in Twitter. Um, so, yeah. All right. Uh, with that said, we're going to move on. And next week, we're going to be bringing on Judge Liam to help us talk about all things Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty. So we're going to talk about the rules interactions. So it'll be a good one, a, a useful one, so that we don't lead you all astray and teach you too many bad habits but uh, judge liam is going to be joining us which is pretty exciting we always love to have judges come and join us um but that's for next week uh until then this is the epic experiment podcast signing off wishing you all the best for everything you play nice take care everybody have a good one